This is the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. This sermon was delivered 13 October 2019 by Pastor John Witham. The sermon text is Acts 27, 33 through 38. Thank you for listening. Here's the table in our homes. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 27. We're going to be looking at verses 33 through 38. Acts 27, verses 33 through 38 says this. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 13 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Leonard Sweet thinks we need to go back to the table. Now, who is Leonard Sweet? Glad you asked rhetorically. Leonard Sweet is a self-proclaimed Christian futurist, which is is another wonderful bit of hot nonsense. Uh, And what that basically means is he was one of the first people who was encouraging churches to embrace technology, to not cling to old ways with with clenched fists, but to rather be open and ask how God can use new ways that are coming around. And and in in his book, From Tablet to Table, uh, he writes an apology because in one of his previous books, he had ripped on people who used flannel boards. Do you guys remember the flannel boards? You had the felt board and the little paper, paper characters that had the, the little bits of felt on the back, and your Sunday school teacher would tell you stories. I love the flannel boards, and when, when I had originally read that he didn't like those, I was a little bit cross with this fellow. But he issues an apology because he says it's that sort of simple storytelling which is so lost in our world. And he says that the table, the simple act of sitting down together for a meal, has been lost in our world today. People will sit down for power lunches, business lunches, where you can go in and seal a deal over lunch. That's not a meal, that's a meeting that has hamburgers. He has statistics in his book about, they're shocking, about how many people eat in their cars 
on a daily basis? How many meals are eaten standing up? How less nutritious food bought out at restaurants and fast food places is than when we cook for ourselves at home? But the other thing good that happens when we sit down and have meals is you get to tell stories. You get to find out what happened over the course of your day. What, what's been going on in your life? Where are we? Where have we come from and where are we going? These are the, the sorts of conversations that we have when we've got a bit of, of really carefully cooked, lovingly cooked food and some people that we care about around the table. And Sweet's point in his book, which is a great book, uh, I read it four years ago, and it completely changed the way that I think about um, uh, lots of things. Uh, we, we made sure that there's a copy available. There's a little bookshelf right out here in the entryway. Um, there's a copy out there. If, if you can afford it, I think it's about $15. If you can afford it you, and can get one for yourself, it's not in the library, I checked. Um, if you can get one for yourself, great. Maybe leave that one for somebody who, who can't afford it. But there is one out there. There's just one, so whoever gets out there first, you win. Uh, but it's a great book, and the point that it makes is this is when we create space, when we slow down and we create space around the tables in our homes, we regain the opportunity to tell stories about how God is working in our lives, about how Jesus has come into our lives and is changing our lives and is making us new. Because that's the power of the table. Last week we talked about the table, which is the table of the Lord. We talked about how Christ is present with us at the Lord's Supper in a very real way, and that the more we take communion together, the more we are able to learn about the presence of Christ, the more we are able to experience the presence of Christ, and the more we are able to discern what's going on in our midst by Christ being present. And so we can take the table, and when we realize that Christ doesn't just live in this room or in the sanctuaries of churches everywhere, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is present everywhere. But we have to acknowledge and tend to the presence of Christ. And I think that's what we've really lost in our homes. When I'm ignoring the presence of Christ at home, I'm ignoring an opportunity for my relationship with Katie or my relationship with loved ones who have gathered in my home, 
I'm ignoring the opportunity for those relationships to be brought under the lordship of Christ. I'm ignoring the opportunity for our friendships and our, uh, our fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ to be made new by Jesus. Setting the table in our homes creates space for Jesus to be present in our day-to-day lives. Now, let me give a, a disclaimer. I say home, and that looks very different for a lot of people. Home for me is a two-bedroom apartment over by the expressway. Home for you may be a house. It may be an apartment in a senior living facility. Home might be a cot at a homeless shelter. There are coffee houses and and places that I have felt at home in. Home is any place where we feel comfortable and loved and where we can extend that comfort and love to another person. It doesn't have to be fancy. And when I say that, that it's good to gather around a piece of lovingly cooked food, not everybody is a gourmet chef. Not everyone knows how to braise asabuco or, or create, uh, you know, bake a, a succulently roasted turkey on a weekly basis. We're not all able to do that. We don't all have the funds for that. We may not have the time for that, even if we're prioritizing our lives well. A lovingly prepared meal could well be two Big Macs lovingly picked up from McDonald's on the way home. (laughs) A home-cooked meal could be something taken out of the freezer and heated up on the stovetop. But the purpose of the food is the conduit for conversation. When was the last time you ever accepted an invitation to go to somebody's house and sit around a table and look at each other? But if somebody says, we're having pizza, that makes, that makes the deal a lot better. Having spent most of my ministry doing some form of youth ministry, I can tell you that food gets people to the table in ways that other things will not get people to the table. If a business opened up on Main Street and they just had tables, and they said, you can pay to come in and sit around, that would not last long as a business. The food is the conduit to the conversation. But it unites us as humanity. Because no matter where you've come from, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what your heritage is, if you don't eat, you're going to die. That's just a fact of life on earth. And so food gives us an opportunity to come to the table, which is a place 
where we can meet Jesus. And our scripture this morning is an example of the fact that we don't have to necessarily set a table in a house or at a coffee shop or, uh, or someplace like that to experience this. Paul's on a boat. Paul's a prisoner, and he is, is being tried for uh, a number of trumped-up charges. And, and Paul is on there with some friends. Uh, there's mentions of friends at the beginning of chapter 27. Uh, there's a mention of a fellow named Aristarchus who's allowed to travel with him. And so Paul has some friends who are followers of Jesus on this boat. And later on in the chapter, there's a, a, a guard of the prisoners who shows favor to Paul and that leads us to suspect that he has become a follower of Jesus. But there's trouble on the boat. There's storms. And they're in the sea, not a, a, a piece of land for miles around. And for two weeks, a fortnight, they're struggling with storms. And they're struggling so much that none of them have had the opportunity to eat. They're just going and going and going and fighting against these awful storms. And earlier in the chapter, Paul speaks to all of them and says, don't lose heart. The ship is going to wreck, but not a one of you will lose your lives. And so after these 14 days, Paul says, enough. And he says, it's time to eat. So he calls them to the table, and we can call people to the table. Now, it could be people you consider your family. Our dear friends, Jesse and Ashley, for years after church, would come over to our apartment. And Jesse and I love to cook. Um, and so we would, we would man the kitchen while the ladies uh, would sit and have uh, chips and salsa or, you know, or uh, hummus or, or whatever we happened to have in the refrigerator while we cooked. And then we would all sit down to the table and eat. And we would be open and honest with each other. And we would share deeply from life together. What are we experiencing? What are we doing? How is God working in our lives? Where are we discouraged? Where do we need encouragement? That was our family. Your family might be you and your kids. Your family might be you and grandkids, or you and neighbors. But it's good to get people together around your table. In the Gospels, Jesus is constantly harassed for how much he's going and spending time eating with people. Jesus is constantly at a table. And they say, you know, look, John the Baptist, he fasts all the time. 
but you come eating and drinking. And Jesus had a different priority, a different mission. But that mission is the same as ours. is to introduce people to God. What is the call of the gospel? But that through Jesus Christ, everyone can come home. When we set a table, we're giving people a home to come to. But I can, I can have people over, and, and we can have you know, any amount of food, any amount of drink. We can talk about any number of subjects. But that doesn't necessarily make it space for the presence of Jesus. To some degree, it does. Because by my life, by my words, by my actions, by my witness, just living, I'm showing them a different kind of humanity that's possible through Jesus. Now, I can also fail at that miserably and have on occasion or frequently. But but when we invite people in, there's the opportunity for us to also invite Jesus. And Paul does this. Did you notice the language that he used? He didn't just say any old words when he was getting the meal ready. It says that he took some bread, that he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them to eat. Those are the four verbs of the Lord's table. Take, bless, break, and eat. It's what we heard last week straight from Jesus' mouth. And that's what we see here with Paul. When we have people and we make space for the presence of Jesus... Jesus is present, and things start to change. Now, how do we make this space? First of all, it helps to have other believers gathered around. It helps to have other people who are also on the same page as you are, who are ready to welcome the presence of Jesus into this place as well. And you pray. And you talk about what's going on in life. What are the good things? What are the bad things? You have honest conversation. For the sake of having good and honest conversation. Because if we're having conversation for the sake of an agenda, it's not honest conversation, and people pick that apart immediately. But if we're having conversation and we see opportunities for Jesus you take those opportunities times when people are hurting times when life has been disappointing when good things are going on we give praise to God when things are broken we look for places where God can heal the situation 
The more we pray, the more we bless, the more we praise, the more we seek God's face, the greater we sense the presence of Jesus around our tables. And what is the outcome? How do we see this? How do we know that Jesus is working? Well, if we look at the book of Acts today, we see that that Paul, after he has done this, the people are encouraged. They have strength to make it through the next thing. Because by the end of the chapter, there's a shipwreck. And I've never been in a shipwreck that would really be a titanic experience to go through. But I can imagine it takes a lot out of you. It's very draining. And by the time they washed up on shore, they needed that strength that they found in the presence of Jesus. But we all don't face shipwrecks. But we face the trials of life. We face the difficulties of life. We face the things in life that seem too big for us to deal with. One of my seminary professors, David Fitch, said, the presence of Christ by the Spirit reveals our brokenness. It forces renewed commitment. It orders our lives intensely, either further into or away from the kingdom. When Jesus is present, lives are changed. When Jesus is present, relationships are healed. When Jesus is present, we ourselves are healed. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Because Jesus isn't just interested in some metaphysical part of us. Jesus is interested in our whole being. And his presence heals us holistically. But by sitting around the table and discerning the presence of Jesus in our midst, we also discern where Jesus needs to be in our lives. If we can discern Jesus' presence around the table, we start to create a little community, a little pocket of the Holy Spirit a little place in our neighborhood where Jesus is Lord, where good things are happening, where people hear about it and they want to be a part of it. Not everybody will be ready for this. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight. A word that, that Leonard Sweet uses in his book a lot is cultivate. And it makes me think of gardening. You don't just plant a seed and then the next week you have a fully grown plant. You plant a seed and sometimes it takes weeks, months to start to see even a little inch of green sprout coming out of the ground. And so it is when we, when we break open the space for the presence of Jesus in our homes. It may take weeks, months, years of opening our, our homes and our friendships up to Jesus, inviting people into the presence of Jesus. But if we're faithful, God is faithful. And as, as we make the space for Jesus to show up, 
Jesus will show up. And what happens from there is we see Jesus here at the Lord's Supper, and we see Jesus in our home working in that little space in our neighborhood. And we start to learn what the presence of Jesus looks like in other places that we go as well. But that's something that we'll examine a different time. The presence of Jesus in our homes, it's a powerful thing. Amen.